Hi, I'm Debbie Harbeck, and I'm a certified life coach working with women in midlife and through the menopause transition. So each week, I'll be sharing the latest information, inspiration, and generate some momentum so you can move forward and feel more in control of your changing midlife body and your life. Let's go. Welcome to the Midlife Momentum Podcast. I am so glad you joined me today because I have a special guest on my show, Mary Thompson. So Mary is passionate about helping women and herself through the perimenopause and menopause years with stronger bones, a healthy body, and a positive mindset. With a degree in sports science and 20 years clinical experience as a massage therapist and Pilates instructor, She's supported, championed, and inspired many people to look after their physical and mental well-being in a holistic way. Now with a personal diagnosis of osteopenia and her own perimenopause symptoms, she's motivated to lead herself and others through the menopause years with as much mental and physical strength as necessary to live a life to the fullest in good health and happiness. So welcome to the podcast, Mary. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And um, it's so nice to be able to connect with people across the world. So yes, because yes, you're all the way in Australia right now. So you're 14 hours ahead of me. Yes, so yeah, it's yes, amazing uh, that we yeah. can do this. It's bright and early where you yeah. are. It's almost supper time That's where right. I am. So this is this yeah. great. Yes, it's great to be here. So thanks for having me. But yes, I'm originally from Scotland. So I'm not too far from the other side of the world where you are. But yes, I've moved and live on the other side of the world in east coast of Australia now. But yes. Beautiful. I, so yeah, I just want to open it up because I know that you're here to to talk about what you do. And I want to talk about where you're, you've come from because you mm. mentioned that you have osteopenia and you have this diagnosis and how did that affect you? But how did you know you get into the business you're in as well? And I think it's all tied together. Gosh, yes, there's you know, when you reflect over your career, you realize for myself that there's all these little experiences and, and qualifications that I've managed to pull together and, and it's really come into alignment with this diagnosis. So there's a little bit of me that's a little bit grateful that it's happened. But um, way back, I started um, my career in Scotland as I, I studied sports science, sport and exercise science as a degree. And um, I really loved the physiology and nutrition aspect and the psychology. And then from there, I went into um, training to become a massage therapist. And, and it was a beautiful career of being a, being a therapist and helping people with hands-on therapy. I, I was very fortunate to be able to travel the world with that. So I worked with high-performance sport and Olympic sport. So I worked with the Australian medical team at the London Games. So I've got to experience a lot of different things with different bodies. Um, the, the missing piece for me with the therapy was the, the movement, understanding how functional movement um, affects your health. So I brought the Pilates in and that kind of came full cycle. And then I had a little bit of nutrition knowledge. So I really managed to create a holistic business with those, with those qualifications. And it came back to that personal story when I moved to where I live now on the Sunshine Coast. So that's Queensland, Australia. I moved. And you know what happens when you move houses? You you have to find your, your new doctor. You have to find your dentist. You've got to get the kids settled in school. So you, you land in a place and you have to start again. And I did feel at the point of my career that I was I was ready to 
repurpose myself and I wasn't quite sure which direction to go in but I went along to my GP and we, we did some blood tests and she said to me at that point I was taking some medication she said oh okay because you you know you're, you're taking this medication we'll send you off for a bone scan and that was the first time I had ever been asked that and I, I actually heard an alarm bell right at that point and I was like, why am I going for a bone scan? Anyway, I went along for the bone scan. And sure enough, the results came back with a diagnosis of osteopenia. So that was my first step into what I now know, looking back on that, that was only seven or eight months ago, was my, my purpose of what was this and why was it happening to me? And, and this is kind of taking me, and I'm sure as we talk throughout this um, episode, where I am now with that diagnosis, but that was my first step into it, completely unaware um, of what this was. But I was also experiencing some symptoms of early perimenopause. Yeah, that was um, that was the start of the journey. So lots of fun and excitement and high performance sport and working with many people over the years. Um, and now coming back to myself and realizing, okay, there's something, there's something in this. And I had to do my research and and follow the journey down the rabbit hole, as they say, as to what the implications of osteopenia were for myself personally, and how it was going to impact me as I was going through the perimenopause years. And this whole new world pretty much opened up from that point. That, that must have been yeah. a real shock because you yourself were in, in good shape and you work mm -hmm. with athletes. And so you, you're doing everything you think is right. And then you get this diagnosis. So it must have been like a punch in the stomach, I guess, a little bit. Yeah. 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 It is funny. I think everybody reacts differently to something like this. Mm -hmm. um, I'm quite reactive. So I'm a, I'm a fire sign. So I kind of jump to things and, and react. I, I say react, but I'm quite proactive. But it was a massive, it was a massive ego check in all honesty I, I went at it like a bull at a gate. So I went out and I bought all the foods that I knew that had calcium and I researched the exercises and I was very kind of like, I need to do something now. This is, this is, this is important. You know, and I think sometimes, um, you know, stopping and reflecting is more helpful, but I'm, I'm very much like, well, I need to do something. But then, you know, as I went into the research and understood that the piece of paper that my GP had slid across the table when I had got the diagnosis and the piece of paper that she'd given me was a very, very simple um, information sheet about foods that contained calcium. But it was, I think it was dated from 1998. Wow. And the, the foods that were on there, well, from my health perspective, I was looking at them going, <laughs> it was just a little bit mind boggling and very disappointing to read. I mean, there was, there was even a, a, a section dessert section on there and they had chocolate biscuits listed as a food that had calcium and I'm like are you joking mm -hmm. I mean we all love our chocolate biscuits but it's not something that you want to give a patient to say you can go ahead and eat this yeah. if you if you want to improve your calcium levels anyway so it, it was a little bit disappointing with the information I was given at the time and then I did my own research and realized oh my gosh it's such a big issue and it's not at all straightforward. 
women in the perimenopause years, I kind of got my, everybody needs to know about this. I, I got that kind of goodness, if this is happening to me, mm-hmm. and I have this level of understanding with nutrition and sports science and exercise and all this clinical experience, I was like, goodness, how is anybody else supposed to manage this stuff? So I, I became very proactive, but it was a huge ego check. You're right. Mm-hmm. You know, I have all this experience and how, how does this happen to me? And, but I, I kind of used it as fuel. I, I was a little bit angry, um, not with the system and not with the GP, but just with the situation, because I realized it was, well, it was bigger than me. And it's, and it's a big issue that for on the outside, it didn't look like anybody was talking about it. So, yeah. yeah. So I know we've already gotten into it, but can you tell us a little bit for, for people who aren't, aren't really aware, because it can be a new term for people what is osteopenia? Yeah. And I know then there's osteoporosis and what's the difference mm-hmm. between the two? Okay. So if you're looking at, if you're looking at them on a scale and um, if you're looking at the top of the scale, you've got and an, within each age bracket. So we're really talking about from the age of about 40, because as our, as we age, our bones naturally lose a little bit of what we call density. So the, the porosity of a bone, so how dense it is, Now, as we age, like I said, we naturally lose a little bit of bone density as we age. But osteopenia is where the protein and the mineral content of the bone is reduced um, significantly more than it should for a woman, for me particularly as a woman, in my age bracket. So they kind of put you on a graph. So it really means that my bone density is much more porous than it should be for a woman of my age. But it's not as severe so as osteoporosis, which some of you may have um, heard that term before. So as you slide down the scale, so as your bone density decreases, you have normal bone density and then you have osteopenia. And then as you slide down the scale, you hit osteoporosis where your bone density is uh, pretty severe as in it's, it's like a sponge. The, the holes between the bones are bigger. So the sponge, you know, the, the impact of what that sponge would look like if you had a little tight little sponge, your bone density is pretty good. But as the sponge fills up with water, the, the gaps between the, the solid bone become bigger. But osteoporosis is to the point where your bones are so uh, lost to so much density that you're at risk of uh, fracturing. Mm. And it's and fracturing is very common in osteoporosis. And it's very, of course, it's very debilitating, but a lot of the fractures happen in your hip and your spine, which you can imagine is is concerning mm-hmm. and worrying. And it means that people have to really reevaluate how they're living their lives and how they functionally move. And and I think there's a lot of fear around that diagnosis, but, but it doesn't have to be, you know, I'm always looking on the positive side of life. So that mm-hmm. is what, what it is. It's that loss of yeah. bone mineral. Um, and I'm lucky, I feel like I'm lucky that, osteopenia is an early diagnosis as I feel it's like an early warning sign to be able to take action and do as much as possible and that's what I found out with the research is you can do a lot for it so it's it's not all doom and gloom I guess <laughs> no and that's it like it's like you you're catching it at a point where there's still something you can do to slow it down at least yes yeah, yeah. for sure and yeah 
I know that, you know, you had mentioned you were on some, on medication. And so your doctor sent mm-hmm. you for this test. So what are the risks and, and we're in perimenopause and I know that is a risk factor, but what, what are the yeah. other risk factors for osteopenia? Well, I think, and this is, I'm glad you asked because it's such an important point to realize for, for your audience, everybody who's listening into this is likely to possibly sit within this because the first and biggest risk factor is for women over the age of 40, particularly those who are heading into the perimenopause years or they're well and truly coming through the menopause years or they're post-menopause. Because like I said before, your bones naturally lose density with age. But through the perimenopause cycle, as you've probably heard from Debbie before, your estrogen levels start to drop. Now, estrogen is a a driver for building bones and muscles. So when you lose estrogen, this amplifies your bone density loss. So any women over the age of 40 should be uh, aware of this situation and that that is one of the biggest risk factors. There's also risk factors with those who have potentially yo-yo dieted in the past and maybe had a very poor calcium uptake uh, or those who have significantly reduced their dairy and used alter and not used appropriate alternative sources of calcium in their diet so there's a, there's a huge shift I don't know where you are um, with that kind of thought where you live Debbie but here in Australia there's a huge shift away from dairy in diet so there's a lot of people and my to be honest myself included I've stopped drinking cow's milk not not just for the fact that it's a, a very inflammatory in the gut and health reasons, but yeah, there's a lot of people who've stopped taking dairy. And I think I'm potentially guilty as well of if not replacing it with enough calcium. So taking something significant as dairy out of your diet and not replacing it with a really good plant-based alternative to allow that calcium absorption uptake. So that's a risk factor as well. The other ones are not as obvious, I guess, in that those who are not a firstly not physically active are those people whose activity is predominantly non-weight bearing. So what I mean by that is they're cycling and swimming. And interestingly, when I did the research, that also includes people who just walk. And, and, that, and, and that's interesting because it's not non-weight bearing walking, but it's not enough to build bone density. So those people who use walking or light jogging cycling and swimming as their main sources of exercise are at risk of osteopenia as well. And then there's the hereditary factors. If you have it in the family, if you have somebody in the family who has osteopenia or osteoporosis, Mm -hmm. there's risks there. And then for myself, the, the medication. So those people with any other health issues. So my other health issue is my thyroid, which is linking into an autoimmune disorder called Hashimoto's. Mm -hmm. Um, that is a big risk factor as well, along with rheumatoid arthritis, because of the medication that I take. So thyroid medication actually increases that bone turnover, which in fact allows more bone loss and you lose more bone density because you've got a higher turnover of bone. So yes, so those with autoimmune disorders are at risk as well. And then anyone who's got poor absorption in the gut. So basically that boils down to stress and inflammation because your body has to have that ability to absorb nutrients and minerals properly and if your gut is under a lot of stress and um, you're not able to absorb your uh, minerals and 
and particularly calcium, you're not able to absorb it properly. So because your bones act like a calcium bank, so the body will take deposits, take but deposits from that bank, from your bone, if your diet doesn't have enough. So if you're not giving yourself enough calcium, magnesium and vitamin K, those things that really are needed for to build strong bones, if you're not ingesting that or absorbing that properly, your, your body will take from the calcium bank from your bones to use elsewhere in the body where it's needed. So yeah, you really need to be topping up. And um, I hope that makes sense in terms of using it, thinking about it like a bank. Oh, and yeah. those people are at risk who don't have enough in the bank, your body will take it from the bones. Yeah. A mm. lot of what you said, I, I've, I've known, mm-hmm. but one of the things you said, which was the swimming, because I was a competitive mm. swimmer and that was even back in those days, cause that's a while ago. I actually knew about that, that I wasn't doing yeah. a weight bearing activity. Mind you, we were in the weight room quite a bit as well, but just swimming itself yeah, it was a risk factor yeah. for that. The medications though is, is new and, and it's interesting because Hashimoto's is also a very common um, issue for women in midlife. More and more women it is. in midlife are getting that, are having uh, that particular condition and, and many of my clients have had it. So um, yeah, yeah, so that's another risk factor. So that's really good to know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and I guess it all comes down to hormones, doesn't it? Like you said, it's women over the age of 40 do tend to head towards thyroid imbalances. And, and I think with the fluctuating levels of hormones, your sex hormones, it does affect how your other hormones operate as well. Mm-hmm. And obviously the medication that you have to take to try and manage one, unfortunately does not necessarily help another. So this is where I'm at with this kind of conundrum of, I'm taking this thyroid medication and and the reason I had to go for what they call a DEXA scan, which is that bone density scan, is because I'm ta- I've taken this thyroid medication for 10 years. So in Australia here, they offer that bone density scan for free at that point when you've been taking medication for that length of time um, because it is very well known and it's directly linked to bone density loss. And that's, I guess that's where I became angry <laughs> because nobody told me that when I took this medication and I've been taking it for so long and you do have to check in with your doctor um, obviously to make sure that your medication levels are at the right level and everything's ticking along nicely. And I was doing great. Like I, I really don't feel impacted by my underactive thyroid, but I wish I'd been told that the implications of this, especially coming into the perimenopause years, which is where I became quite alarmed to think that the medication that I was taking for one thing is going to have a massive issue. And then of course the DEXA scan came, results came back with the diagnosis of osteopenia. My first thought was, and it is still now my predominant thought is how do I get off this medication? And that is where my, my next, my future, um, challenge lies because I do believe and there is research and I think in myself I always think positively if one person can come off thyroid medication then I can too and that's my focus Mm -hmm. but yes it's it's something that needs to be raised and be aware and it's not the same for everyone but you know I'm only in control of myself I suppose and what I can do to try and live my healthiest life is educate myself and I've moved forward in great leaps and bounds with my osteopenia, I believe. But yeah, the thyroid is the next thing I'm going to tackle. (laughs) 
Oh, good for you. You're right. If others have done it, why not us? And and I'm sure yeah. with all the things that you do know and the things that you're capable mm. of, uh, you could do, definitely do it. I know in perimenopause, I've seen the data on it is that there is, before you even hit menopause, there's a steep decline in bone density and in muscle yeah. uh, loss. You know, it really is a, a factor in losing in losing bones so yeah silence that's exactly yes well because so many of so many of these menopause symptoms are not silent (laughs) they they are out there and loud and they're visible and you can see them and you can feel them bone density loss is what i call the silent symptom because you can't feel when your bone density is reducing it's not something you feel you can't see and then you know without the dexa scan it's not easy to measure and it's not easy it's it's a long term when you're thinking about fixing it it, it's a long-term process to build bone density it doesn't happen overnight you know some symptoms you can manage very quickly and very easily with menopause and and there's a lot of that that's moving into hormone replacement therapy and things and and you know we're, we're not here to talk about that as such but this silent symptom is something it's unheard of in, in, in many ways and unspoken about so there's silence in terms of it's silent in your body but it's also silent in the world I mean I don't know very many people talking about this as part of the journey through menopause which I find incredibly disappointing and that's I feel that's part of my purpose now is to raise that awareness and and talk more openly about it and you know perimenopause in general so I'm very grateful to be able to hear to talk with you um, about this, you know, this thing in menopause, but just in general, talking about the, the things that we move through. And it's not always negative, but just, you know, raising that awareness is that's such an important thing. Yeah, I think that is the most important thing. And I'm, I'm glad you're here too, talking about it as somebody who has osteopenia and who now has, has gotten very educated about it. I have mm. put it out there to my audience. They know that how bone density is is an issue in perimenopause and into menopause. So it's something yeah. I've started taking more seriously in the last year where I'm I'm making more of an effort to do a lot more weight bearing activity, lift heavier yeah. weights, uh, yes. so doing those kind of things, which uh, yeah. I was doing some before, but now I'm like, nope, this is a non-negotiable for me now. I don't have big bones. I am a small bone person. I know that also puts me at a bigger risk. Mm-hmm. So it's also something that I'm very aware of. So I, I yeah. know I need to to do this. That's so helpful that you've you brought yeah. this to our attention. Well, so now, you know, now what do we do about yeah. it? <laughs> well, that's exactly right. I was about to say there, there's lots of things you can do, which is which is great. And I give myself a big sigh of relief to go, it's okay. You know, there's 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 light at the end of the tunnel for this. And I did go, I did kind of fall down a rabbit hole as such when I started researching and understanding that it's, it's not as simple as just eating more calcium, but you can do a lot. So the first, the first thing I think is addressing your, how you exercise and how you move, because there's, there's fantastic research to support strength-based exercise for women in menopause, not just for your bones, but for your overall health and well-being through the menopause use, you can manage a lot of symptoms by building a lot of strength, whether that's physical strength, by lifting weights, but also your mental strength and resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can increase your strength, you increase your weights, 
you do you can introduce something called plyometrics so that's that kind of bounding and rebounding to help really build bone density there's like i said there's fantastic research to support actively building bone by doing those multi-directional jumping exercises so the thing i do want to make uh, people aware of those which i wasn't was that running and walking don't count as a bone density building exercise as much as you're you know, you've got that ground reaction force with running. It's it's not enough to stress the bones. Bones need to be stressed in what they call multi-directional movements. So that sidestepping and hopping and jumping, and it's not in the plane of movement that we have with running and walking. So I was really surprised to find that out. But again, it's it's an easy add-in. You know, you can run up and down stairs, you can skip, you can dance, you can play tennis, netball, all the sports that require you to move sideways. Yeah. Um, and then you can simply add jumping and rebounding exercises into your routine. So that is one of the easiest ways um, is to build bone densities to do that. And also, obviously, your food, how you support your bones with not just calcium. It's how you have that careful balance of calcium, magnesium, vitamin K, and vitamin D. Now we're very lucky here in Australia that we have lots of vitamin D from the sun, but we do have the problem of using too much sunscreen. It's this fine balance, isn't it? Yeah. Of There's a lot of people with vitamin D deficiencies because we tend to walk outside the front door here. It's very hot in Queensland and putting head to toe sunscreen on and covering up and the, then you lose the ability to absorb vitamin D. So vitamin D is a big factor for bones. Mm-hmm. And women need to be aware that we we do need to expose ourselves to certain amounts of sunlight to allow that vitamin D to be absorbed. And then, of course, the absorption in the gut is if you can improve your gut health and reduce inflammation in the gut, your ability to absorb these nutrients and help you balance your hormones in general is a, going a long way to help your bone density. So that's reducing your stress and increasing your recovery and rest. You know, I, 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 and I will talk about this a little bit. I have created a course to support women over the age of 40. And I do a lot of work with how do you build physical and mental strength? But I think there's the flip side of when we're over in this age bracket, we tend to are living our most highly stressed lives. You know, we, we are potentially looking after families, younger kids, but also potentially looking after our parents, our elderly parents. You're in the height of careers. We're in the height of stressful living, I think, at this age. And stress is a major factor for bone density, not being able to absorb our nutrients and living a stressful life with cortisol levels rising. There's a big factor there. And I love the fact that you teach yoga, which is a wonderful way to de-stress. And I think it's an important thing to note that being able to manage your stress levels is hugely important for your bone density as well. Oh yeah. I'm all about that. I, I talk a lot about stress on this mm, podcast yeah. because I'm very yeah. passionate about, about, you know, taking care of that because it causes it's so yeah. at the root of so many issues, including bone yeah. density, but just the inflammation that then causes all kinds of issues for us. So yeah, yeah. I'm really glad you talked about that too. And, you know, even yeah. preventing that absorption of these important minerals in our gut, that we absolutely need vitamins and minerals that we need. And I mean, I'll ask you, like, do you take any supplements or uh, maybe you don't need the vitamin D as much in Australia? We live in a 
in Canada here, <laughs> we have winter. So I know that yeah. we're missing vitamin D for a good chunk of the year. We're not getting enough. So I do yeah. take some vitamin D in my, in my vitamins and just because yeah, I know we don't get enough, but I don't know, do you, do you believe in that? Is that something that you, I do, I do. I think, um, it's such a hard one because we all come with our own health requirements as an individual. And it also depends on where you are within your menopause journey. But I, I do take multivitamins and I think taking a, a well-rounded supplement that includes calcium, magnesium and vitamin K and your vitamin D, they're your bone building supplements. So I, I take a multi vitamin and I sometimes take extra magnesium because in perimenopause sleep can be a problem and muscle soreness yeah. and joint aches and pains so adding some extra magnesium in which doesn't always have to come as a, a an oral supplement you can do your epsom salts and ice baths and getting into the ocean if you have the opportunity to do that but yes I, I do believe in supplements because I do I do think our diets tend to lack quite a lot so adding in some extras with supplements is really helpful but it, there is a bit of a careful balance and I try not to I try for myself personally not to obsess over it mm-hmm. I think a lot of our nutrients and minerals should come from food sources that is the first and foremost best way to get the right amount and the right balance of all the things that we need and um, it's coming from food sources but it, it can be very stressful looking at this list of calcium rich foods that we should be eating and the amount that we should be eating every day and looking at it going, gosh, how am I going to get this into my day? So the mm. point is I, I try not to stress myself out by overlooking it that I take a multivitamin. So one day I'll take my multivitamin, which has beautiful levels of calcium and magnesium and vitamin K. And the next day I take my greens. I do. I have a greens powder with probiotics because there's mm-hmm. that careful balance of biotics in our gut that need to be balanced in menopause as well. So I kind of alternate one day I'll take the multivitamin the next day I'll take my greens and probiotics and you know I gave myself a bit of a pat on the back for being able to do that. Well, I think that's great I think we do need help I, I agree with you that food should be the primary source but I do think that some supplementation is probably required only because we're we're missing we're, they're not as yeah. nutrient rich as they used to be because of our Absolutely. soils and that so and the transportation and all the things that go into getting our food there but I, I, I agree with that. And I, mine is similar to you, but I like the idea of the alternating the days. I think that's a, that's yeah. not a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> As an extra tip. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. I know you said you help women. I know you have a program as well to do this. Can you explain a little bit about yeah. your program and maybe how your clients have benefited from it? Yeah, it's, um, like I said, it's been a journey and this is, this is, this, my, my personal journey has led me to my purpose as such as, as helping myself, but also knowing that I have knowledge that I, I believe needs to be shared. And over time, doing all the research into the exercise and, and the, the diet and trying to pull it all together in a cohesive place where it can be very clearly understood. I, I created a six week, six step program called Six Degrees of Connection in Menopause, which is there to educate women, firstly about their hormones, but also how to coach them into how to adapt your exercise, diet, and stress levels in the menopause years. Because simply because your hormones have changed, and so have you. So you have. I'm, I'm trying to empower women to 
take action that lasts over the long term because you know once you've hit the menopause years you are in it for the long term and allow you to step into your power and just embrace this time of life but also know that you can make little one degree shifts so the six degrees of connection course covers six areas of one little degrees shifts you can make um, in your life to improve your mental strength your physical strength and your hormone I don't want to say balance, but just being able to manage your hormones better because they can be very wobbly in these years. So I've got the exercise programs. I teach a lot of Pilates and pelvic floor, the foundations of strength. I have a progressive uh, weight bearing, so weight lifting program that helps you progress from lifting light weights to lifting those heavier ones, which will really impact your bones. I've got beautiful recipes and food guides that are really simple actionable things you can do you can literally pull a recipe knowing that it's there to help build your bones i've got tips and tricks on how to build your gut health and reduce your stress levels so your mental strength um, and resilience as well i've got tips and tricks on how to manage your sympathetic nervous system and how do we dampen down those rising levels of cortisol that we often get at this time of life um, and lots of one-to-one -one pilates and for those who live here in australia i have added the the in-person element of the the one-to-one -one Pilates assessments and massages as well, which is a beautiful part of the program. So I have a truly online program, which is a runs a six-week mm -hmm. course, but I also have the the in-person opportunity for those who are local to me on the Sunshine Coast as well. So and that's been a really wonderful journey personally. But I've taken a couple of clients through. There's some ladies who are doing the course right now, but some of my clients have come because they also have osteopenia. One of my clients, Emma, who's, yeah, she got diagnosed with osteopenia at a fairly early age. She went into menopause at the age of 37, which mm -hmm. is classed as young. Yeah. And it was, it was really, she's in the UK and it was, it wasn't, it wasn't dealt with very well. She wasn't very well supported. Um, and to have the, the fluctuating hormone levels on all these symptoms arising at a very early age and then the medical system not fully supporting or understanding her. It took her a couple of years to come to a solution for her that worked for her to how to manage her hormones. And then this course came and she's just like, I've never seen anything as comprehensive as this that covers everything that I need that I can do and work in my own time. So she's worked her way through the program and, and she's just moving in leaps and bounds in confidence of knowing what she can do and being proactive is such a confidence boost to know that you can do all the right things. You don't have to do a massive, big, overwhelming lifestyle change, but you can make little small changes that over time will make a difference. And then another lady who, who did the course and then got a diagnosis of osteopenia afterwards. Mm. So she's actually post-menopausal and she did the course because she was aware that her bone density may not be where it should be, not knowing that actually she's gone through postmenopause and she had their DEXA scan afterwards. And she messaged me afterwards to say, thank goodness I'm doing your course and I have all the tools because I've just been diagnosed with osteopenia. And now I'm gonna go back and redo the course and, and really live it. And, and she's embraced every challenge that I do. I do online challenges as well and free workshops and all sorts of things. And she's fully embraced it. So I'm very grateful to be able to help those who are in it with me on this journey, but also reaching out to women who are just moving through the menopause years and noticing these changes in their body composition and strength and 
having something that they can do and take action with. So it's, it's been a really lovely journey for myself and for my clients to take this course. Oh yeah. I love that. I love those stories. I love that you had like a younger woman who, who is going mm. through it. Some women do go through, I mean, either naturally they end up in, in perimenopause early or surgically. And that does put yeah. you at a greater risk for a lot of issues that come with perimenopause, including I, I believe osteopenia and osteoporosis. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's challenging. And then, yeah, later in life, the risk doesn't go away just because you're through perimenopause. You, you need to keep working and to That's have right. a That's program right. that keeps going and, and we need to keep, keep at it. Uh, yeah. I love that, that you've had uh, those two women who, who have gotten such great results and, and for yeah. yourself too, because ultimately, I guess you're being helped by your own program as well. That's it. That's what, yeah. that's exactly what it, you know, that's where it starts. A lot of it starts with yourself, doesn't it? Yes. And what impacts you most and then the ability to share that with others. And yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've been a therapist for over 20 years, so I have that inclination to want to help people, whether it's with their physical well-being or their mental well-being. It's, it, it's something, it's my calling, I suppose. I'll always be a therapist, but to be able to offer this as part of my therapy, I guess, this course is, has been a wonderful journey. And I, I'm, you know, forever on this journey as we all move through menopause. Mm -hmm. And I hope that I can reach out and help whoever, whoever needs it. I mean, I, I do think in general, the course focuses very much on strength. I, I think we all need a little bit extra strength, <laughs> mental yes. strength and physical strength oh. to help us through the menopause years for sure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it can be shocking. Actually, it's, it's interesting because I went swimming yesterday and uh, I hadn't been swimming. Like I, I said, I used to swim competitively and I hadn't been swimming mm -hmm. for years, decades, actually done like real, yeah, wow. a real workout, you know, and yeah. it was a little shocking how much strength in my upper body that I was lacking. <laughs> because yeah I, yeah I felt Isn't okay otherwise yeah. but yeah it's like oh yeah. my gosh like I the detraining yeah, that's effect. it oh. exactly yeah so it's, I know where I have there. to work yeah that's exactly right and you know having worked in the world of like personal training is you know in that world of fitness and helping people achieve goals there's nothing better than helping see your clients achieve goals and the thing with menopause is what I, the message I wanted to get across, particularly with this course, is lifting those two kilogram dumbbells and doing 20 to 30 reps mm -hmm. will not change your muscle mass and muscle tone anymore. So the, the resounding message is what used to work no longer works. And mm -hmm. if you've let something go in the menopause, use that detraining effect is very apparent. It's just learning to shift and move with your hormones and adapt and change your exercise and diet as you move through these years is so important. But yeah, that detraining effect, holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I you feel it too. It. I feel it too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We tend to think of, oh, little dumbbells. If I just do a little bit of weight, it's okay. But no, it's got to be, yeah. it's got to be tough. It's got to be, you know, the last couple of reps have to be challenging. You have to challenge yeah. yourself here. And I think, uh, yeah it can be a very positive thing. And it can, like you said, it's not just the physical, but when you do feel strong physically, it does so much for your mental uh, and emotional uh, self as your well. Your resilience. Yeah, absolutely. I was working with a client just yesterday and I put some uncomfortably heavy hand weights into her hand and she kind of looked at me <laughs> and I said to her, you'll know when you've got the right 
level of weight in your hands when 10 reps is enough. And I think that's a really helpful message for her. It was helpful for her and it's helpful to be able to share that. I often get asked, it's a question that gets asked a lot, it's how heavy is heavy enough? And I think when 10 reps is heavy and you you feel that 10 is enough, you can't do very much more than 10, then you have the right weight in your hands. No, it's, it is, it is. And then you, and then once you adapt to that, you've got to increase it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And there's where you'll see the changes, you know, your posture will affect your posture. And like you said, your confidence levels, and you just hold yourself differently when you have that strength, sense of strength. It's, it's a beautiful thing to say that you're strong. And I, and I want that for every woman to be able to have that, you know, underlying strength in body and mind. I love that. Mm. And with that, I'm going to ask you the last question of my uh, episode, which is always, (laughs) what's the best part of getting older for you, Mari? Oh, I think it's wisdom. You know, the ability to, and the ability to reflect and look back on, on things you've done and achieved in life, but just having that wisdom and confidence to be able to step into who I am and align myself with work that fulfills me and my purpose and to let go of the ego. I believe that in my 20s and 30s, ego was the big overriding thing that drove me professionally and personally. And, you know, I think with age, I can let that ego go because, you know, it gets knocked over time. But to be able to let go of the ego and really use your wisdom, you know, women are so intuitive and powerful and learning to the wis- have the wisdom to trust your gut and listen to yourself is something mm-hmm. that I feel really blessed to have with age and to yeah really tune into myself and step into who I am and where my purpose is that is the best part of getting older for me that's so good and <laughs> let go of the ego and just trust and, oh yeah you know, you know, we have this yeah. beautiful intuition within us and uh, I think that's a yeah. great message to for everyone say menopause for some feels like it's a very negative time and I, I really would love to rewrite the script it's a powerful time for women and it's a time to step into yourself as your body and your hormones are shifting and and use your wisdom and your ability to let the ego go, but use the ability to trust in yourself and step into this time of life because it's a beautiful time of life. And it's mm. being able to look forward to another season. And, you know, I, I want it to be a positive, a healthy and strong season of life. So, yeah. So good. And that's exactly why I started this podcast is just, I want women to feel that way. This is not, it's not the decline to, to no. the end. It's like, no, this is a whole new phase of our lives, a whole new transition, and it can be really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And we're in very good company. So we have to remember <laughs> lots of us in the world and, uh, and we that's should right. all join together in that. And I, I think it's just a beautiful thing. So Thank yeah. you so much, Mary. And and if uh-huh. anybody in the audience, in my audience, want to learn more about you or or your business, how can they get in touch with you? I think the easiest thing is to head to my website, which is www.bodymindbones.com. Okay. And you'll find um, a lot of the information about how to connect with me, the courses I offer, the, the free Facebook group that I have, the community support, like you said before, us women are better together. 
So I have a beautiful community of women within a Facebook group that is free to join, but it's it's me offering a lot of the tips and tricks about how to stay healthy and happy and strong in the in the hormonal years. But all the information you'll find at www.bodymindbones.com. Perfect. And of course, I'm going to add all of Mary's information in to the podcast notes so you can click on the links and and find her online. So thank you so much, Mary, once again, for joining me today. This was really uh, helpful. I think a lot of women need to hear what you had to say today. And I think you're going to help a lot of people. Thank you so much for having me. And it's been a lovely connection across the waters with you as well, Debbie. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Midlife Momentum Podcast. If you want to learn more about working with me, come visit me at debbieharbeckcoaching.com. That's Debbie, I-E, Harbeck with a C, coaching.com. See you next week.